No, I, I'd say that I disagree with you guys that he'll slip past fourth overall. Um, I think the only world where he doesn't get taken here is if for some reason this tri- this pick is traded away from San Jose. You're now listening to the Boys in the Booth podcast with your hosts, Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. That's a big one. That's a big one. Yeah. Good evening and welcome to episode 175 of the Boys in the Booth podcast. Cody, Abrams, and Melbourne with you for this one. As you can see, Chad and I are together uh, here at my place and uh, Casey is at his place in Kingston. All three of us are going to be together this coming weekend for the Boys in the Booth Ball Hockey Classic, formerly known as the Pepsi Cup. Can't wait for that. You guys were together last weekend in a golf tournament. Uh, How are we doing, boys? And between the golf tournament and the whole trip this past weekend and then traveling for work these last two days, I am so behind on sleep. I'm so exhausted. So I've got to figure it out the next couple of days before the Boys in the Booth Classic this weekend because, man, I've just been a zombie walking around. Yeah, you better figure it out, Case. You're going to be our leading scorer, so you got you got to get some rest. Uh, dude, I feel the same way. Harper asked me a asked me if I wanted a beer when I got here and I said no like I drank a lot on the weekend like I just need this week to rest relax and recover and that's what I've been doing at least on Monday and Tuesday as we get set for the boys in the booth classic um but yeah other than that things are good I'm home for the week um working from home it's nice to to see the family and the new baby I'm now an uncle of a second uh nephew yeah congrats which is great so I, I went and saw the new baby um Merrick and he is two days old now so that is just so much fun for uh for me being an uncle and uh probably less fun for the parents who have to stay up uh all night long for the next like six months but yeah doing well and uh glad to be home and uh in Mallory Town with you yeah I couldn't imagine being uh Cam and Brooke that is a whole other level of sleep deprivation when you have two little ones so feel for them but congrats to them congrats to to you and the rest of the fam on that doing great boys looking forward to this coming weekend obviously uh had a great uh last weekend there and Uh, We are burning the midnight oil for this episode. It's our annual draft preview show. By the time this episode comes out, it'll be Wednesday, and that'll be exactly one week from the start of the 2023 NHL Entry Draft. Round one gets going next Wednesday, starting at 7 o'clock on Sportsnet and the NHL Network. So looking forward to all of that, and we're going to do things a little bit differently. Um, We're going to do a snake draft. So So we'll determine that in a matter of moments here. And then we're just going to make picks. We're going to go through the draft order, the top 15, and we're going to make our selections. And uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So let's uh, determine uh, who's going to pick where to start. Yeah, and just to clarify too, we're going to make our picks based on team fit and who we think the team will actually pick. Because obviously... Different GMs have different drafting strategies, and uh, we're going to do our best to make um, you know our best shot at a prediction here of what's going to happen on draft day. So, just wanted to clarify that as well. And I've got a number generator in front of me, Casey. Um, if you're wondering about order here, and we'll call you number one, Harper number two, and me number three. I'm going to generate a number. And whoever comes up on gets first pick, then I'll do it again, and they get second. So Casey one, Harper two, me three. 
Sounds good. So we got number two. That means Harper goes first. Okay, Casey, just you and I. And we got number three. So I go second, Casey goes third, and then we do a snake order. And like you said, we're going to do the top 15 picks. So it's going to be a good time. So Harper, with the first pick, who could you possibly be taking? Well, I feel like Kyle Davidson right now of the Chicago Blackhawks. I'm honored to to win the first pick here. So I mean, it's it's Connor Bedard. It's it's the uh, that's a given. What more is there to say about this young man? The way he moves laterally is like no one else. The shot is incredible. His speed, his skill, his agility, all of it. The guy looked absolutely jacked at the combine. By the way, character. It, this kid has it all, and uh, I, it, it, you know, someone should start a, a stopwatch of how long it takes the Blackhawks to make this selection because they could make it in thirty seconds. I swear to God, it'll be the like no brain power required at all to go up and make this pick. So Connor Bedard of the Chicago Blackhawks, we're gonna see it on uh, next Wednesday. Gary Bendman's gonna be announcing who's coming up for the draft. Uh, for the first pick, and you're just going to hear from the table, Out of the dark! <laughs> you're just going to yell it. You're just from the back of the room, like, well, why are you calling us up? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the only thing I have to say about Bedard is, who do you think his closest comparable is currently in the NHL? I was reading Corey Promman's draft rankings from The Athletic. He does a comparable for some of the top prospects in the draft based on size, play style, uh, even uh, country of origin as well sometimes. A lot of factors go into it, but his closest comparable to Connor Bedard was David Pasternak. I thought that was a bit interesting. It makes a lot of sense. High-end skill, great shooter, um, you know, scored 60 goals last year, 100 points. Like, that's the kind of guy we're expecting Connor Bedard to be. But do you guys have any other names out there that you think is comparable to, to Connor Bedard? Not necessarily with on-the-ice play, but the way he looks, like his body, Sidney Crosby, for mm-hmm. me, the way he looks, he's got the big legs he's not tall but he's wide and thick to me like Crosby so I mean a lot of people have made kind of similar comparisons of Patrick Kane in that he's built like rather similar to him and had to change the way he shoots because of an injury and that's yada 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 but Honestly, I I don't think that I'm going to make a comparable for Connor Bedard because I think he's a pretty unique player with that his size has still allowed him to be a sniper and a goal scorer at center, which I don't think we've really seen a lot of that in the last 15 years, a kind of, you know, in size, maybe undersized center being the sniper generational talent. So you know his shots like a Matthews if you want to throw that in there but I don't know I don't think there's a comparable for him and I I like it that way because I think that he could be the guy that's a good answer case that's sort of how I felt when I was trying to think of a comparable so I was just curious what you guys thought but if we're done with Bedard I'll move on to number two here and yeah go ahead this is where it gets a bit hairy I think um but not really because I think we're all kind of guessing that Adam Fantilli is going to go to the Anaheim Ducks. That's who I'm picking to go to the Ducks. But I said it it's, could get a little hairy because there are some good candidates in this tier. I essentially broke down uh, the first round into tiers based on some of the lists I've seen and uh, articles I've read. And 
in the first tier, I have Connor Bedard alone. He's the franchise player. He's going to be better than everybody else in this draft. And he could be a potential, you know, best player in the NHL in a couple of years. Like this is something, this is, this kid is special, right? Absolutely. But in that next tier down, that's where I have a few players. I have Matvey Michkov. I have Adam Fantilli and Leo Carlson. And I actually have them in that order too, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's where I think they're going to get picked. Mm-hmm. But in that second tier, I categorize those players as players I could see being an NHL all-star, like absolute elite player, uh, but not quite best in the league. So yeah. all that being said, Adam Fantilli to the Ducks as one of the best players in this draft. And what is there not to like about Adam Fantilli? He's a guy who plays with size. He plays with some grit. He's tough to play against for you know a guy who's able to put up points. You know, Hobie Baker winner, led his team in points. Did he also lead the NCAA in points? Was that something that he did too? Led, led the NCAA among um, draft eligible players. So all of this, like an incredible season, uh, Adam Fantilli, second overall, I don't think it's a question. He's everything you want in a first line center, and this is going to build a sweet one-two punch with him and McTavish, two guys that are hard to play against with great compete and um, two-way capabilities. So I think Fantilli is definitely the pick here, and uh, I feel fine saying that in the first and second picks that you guys are right. Um, I'm not going to say that for the rest of the draft. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree uh, with with everything you guys said on Fantilli. Play driver, he's fast, physical, can also play on the wing as well. You know, in Anaheim, you've got Zegris and McTavish already uh, as the one-two down the middle. So if you wanted to start Fantilli on the wing, you could. But look, like you can never have too many centers. And I, I do think that uh, he is just a bit above Leo Carlson. Like the stuff that he did as a freshman this year at the University of Michigan was just out of this world. So absolutely Fantilli, number two to Anaheim. Yeah, so I'll go ahead and pick the third pick here and happy to have the uh, the snake draft, the, the third pick to make this easier on me. I'm going to go for the Columbus Blue Jackets in Leo Carlson. Um, I kind of had the, the players broken into similar tiers at the beginning. And the second tier that you mentioned, Chad, I actually had them as guys that would go first overall last year. And I think Leo Carlson yeah. is definitely one of those guys. And the Columbus Blue Jackets are in a position where they're kind of finishing up the rebuild and looking to make a playoff push. And you've seen that in the guys they've picked up recently in trades and free agency last year so they're looking for a guy who can make an impact to this team right now and that is Leo Carlson uh Matt Vay-Michkov may be the higher talent here but again he's not going to be available for at least two years so Columbus is going to take the guy that they can get in the lineup right away just like they did with uh Sillinger and how quick they got Ken Johnson in there and Leo Carlson he's got size and IQ he plays the game the right way we saw this on in Sweden um both at the SHL and with the World Juniors he was phenomenal player for them in the World Juniors and I think he's going to be the center for them in the future that can kind of allow Kent Johnson to be pushed to the left wing and and play with a little more freedom whereas Leo Carlson can kind of play all over the ice 
Yeah, and Leo Carlson, like, what an incredible player we're expecting him to be anyways. And and from what we've already seen, he definitely already is. You mentioned size, case, 6'3 frame, a guy who is, you know, by all accounts, a bit below average in terms of foot speed and and skating overall, but makes up for that 100% in terms of his compete is one and also puck skills and shooting like this player is dynamic offensively and isn't afraid to go to the dirty areas so to me like when i think about a player that we just described in leo carlson i think he's similar to a guy like john Tavares, and maybe that's just because he's fresh in my mind because he's a maple leaf but a guy who's not afraid to go to the dirty areas doesn't have that foot speed but is really smart and can make great plays. So if he can be anything close to what John Tavares is, that would be a hell of a pick at number three. Because like you mentioned, Case, I think he also could have went first overall last year. Yeah, absolutely. Carlson, a, a great player, had a really strong uh, world championships in, in the summer. Fantilli was in that tournament as well. And there was some conversation about, you know, could the draft really start at number two instead of three? So either of these guys could could go number two. But I do think that, uh, that Carlson goes third to Columbus. He's a great fit there. Natural center, extends plays, and is very hard to defend. Uh, this, is, this is a great pick for the Columbus Blue Jackets if it indeed is Leo Carlson at three. And final thing to add to before Case chimes in with his fourth overall pick here. Um, isn't it great being Columbus in the third spot? You don't have to make the decision. You know, like you just get a great player to fall right in your lap and you don't have to make any tough choices. So definitely. Well, we said that about Arizona last year and then they went ahead and passed on Shane Wright. So <laughs> That is true. Crazy things do happen. Yeah. All right, Case, back to you with uh, the fourth pick. So a team that's in the exact opposite position as the Columbus Blue Jackets now entering the rebuild. We kind of saw it like finally last year for the first taste of the rebuild where they started trading players away for picks. So San Jose, uh, with the fourth overall pick, will take the arguably second best player in the draft, Matthew Mitchkoff, because they can wait on this guy. They can hold on to this. They can start the rebuild. And now two, three years down the line, well, I guess it's three years for him, he'll have his entry-level contract starting. Maybe they'll have some other young pieces ready at that time. So I think it'll be perfect timing for the San Jose Sharks. This guy is absolutely ridiculous putting up some unreal numbers in both the mhl and the khl that are kind of rivaling uh ovi's numbers like in in draft year and draft year minus one in the mhl he had better numbers than ovi and almost a goal per game so um he's been a lot of fun to watch in the khl whenever you see clips get posted because how else are you watching the khl in north america but uh I definitely have this guy as as right up there with Fantilli for for second best in the draft, second most talented, and maybe you know definitely the second highest upside in my eyes. So uh, fourth overall, San Jose is going to be laughing in three to four years time. Yeah, and with San Jose too, something I wanted to mention as well is they also have another pick in the first round. They have number four and number twenty six. Although number twenty six, you're not particularly excited about it to start your rebuild it's worth noting that you have two so you're able to take this risk 
on Michkov and then go get someone else who's also, you know, maybe more of a sure thing at 26. Um, if there are any sure things at 26. Point is a guy who doesn't have as high of a ceiling, but maybe has a frame where you're confident he'll play in the NHL and be able to make some sort of impact in a few years. So um, something to look out for too. Few teams have two picks in this upcoming draft and uh, we're going to get to another one or another few here coming up. But yeah, San Jose case, I love the pick. It makes total sense to me. Michkov, such a great player, smashing records over in Russia. Um, Nikita Kucherov, similar type player um, going into his draft year. He fell all the way to the second round for similar reasons. Um, I believe he also had a contract and he was a player who was a bit undersized, but could score and also looked like he didn't give a shit when he played in the MHL, which is by all accounts what scouts are saying <laughs> about Michkov. So I do think it's a perfect pick for San Jose. And uh, that being said, I don't know if he goes this early, to be honest. Harp, what are your thoughts on Michkov? Yeah, I, I had uh, I had Will Smith going to San Jose uh, fourth overall personally, but uh, I, I like where your where your mind's at, Case with uh, with Michkov. And um, look, where, wherever he gets picked, it's it's gonna be a the, like the first gasp of the first round of the draft. Um, but there, there's no doubting his uh, his unbelievable talent. He can score at will, and uh, it, it would make a lot of sense for for San Jose to to pick him up, and you know they can uh, they can go and buy some players and and uh, and and try to get competitive earlier than expected. There's certainly a, a desire for that. They don't want this rebuild to take forever, and then when he gets there, finally they're in a good spot. So uh, I had Will Smith, but um, I, 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 could, I could see Michkov. I think if uh, at any other team, as well. Uh, we'll we'll have to see. Crazier things have happened. Case, do you see any world where Michkov drops past number four? And now, a word from our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Liquid IV. Whether you're staying active or nursing a hangover, Liquid IV has you covered. Just one stick of Liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates faster and more efficiently than water alone. It contains five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C with three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks. It's made with premium ingredients, it's non-GMO, and it's free from gluten, dairy, and soy. There are plenty of awesome flavors, but my personal favorite right now is lemon lime. So get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code boys underscore in underscore the underscore booth at checkout. That's 20% off anything in the store when you order using the promo code boys underscore in underscore the underscore booth at liquidiv.com. Experience better hydration today with Liquid IV. This podcast is also sponsored by the best ticket app out there, SeatGeek. SeatGeek takes the confusion out of buying tickets, making it quick and easy to get the best deals on tickets to your favorite sporting events. Plus, Boys in the Booth listeners get $20 off their first ticket purchase on SeatGeek with the promo code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. So click the link in the description down below to download the app and remember to get your discounted tickets using the code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. Get great seats for a fraction of the cost with SeatGeek. 
No, I, I'd say that I disagree with you guys that he'll slip past fourth overall. Um, I think the only world where he doesn't get taken here is if for some reason this tr- this pick is traded away from San Jose. I just think that San Jose being the team in this position at this part in the draft, it just makes total sense for them to take him and have him as a... It's not even a project because you know he's going to be good. It's just... A, a timeline that kind of lines up better with San Jose than any other team in this draft other than maybe Washington. Yeah. Yeah, that that makes sense. It was just just wondering because obviously there's a ton of talk about Michkov slipping and we didn't think Shane Wright was going to slip from 1 to 4 last year and you know, things happen. So yeah, just a question, but if we're done on Michkov and uh, San Jose I will move on to Montreal with the fifth pick in the draft. And this one, I think also we can be close to certain. I think after this pick, it opens wide up. But I think at this pick right now at number five, Montreal will take Will Smith of the United States Development Program. A 5'11", six-foot centerman. He's the number one centerman on that team. Um, According to Corey Promman, he has average skating and compete but high-end puck skills and above-average hockey sense and shot. And he's very crafty as well. He's one of these players who is just uber-talented offensively. And obviously, that's why he's the number one center on that incredible team who, by the way, like every year is just churning out top-line players in the NHL. And they've been doing that for the past like five years at this point. So yeah, I think Will Smith at number five, unfortunately, he doesn't go... Uh, to Philadelphia at seven. I think that would be perfect. I mentioned to you guys on the podcast before. Yeah. Will Smith to Philly, perfect. But yeah, number five to Montreal. What do you think? 2.24 points per game at the U.S. Uh, the US National Development Team um, is Jack Hughes. That's his stats. 2.11 is William Smith. And let's point out this World Junior Championship U18 points, nine goals and 20 points in seven games. Yeah, this guy can put the puck in the net and contribute on offense. So highly skilled centerman that I had fairly high in this draft. Yeah, and going back to my tiers, I mentioned the first tier was franchise player, second tier elite player, and that included Michkov, Fantilli, and Carlson. Tier three for me, and this this is a tier of one player and one player only, it's Will Smith, because I think after this, it opens wide up, and then it moves on to players you know who could be a potential star player, first to second line player, but I think Will Smith projects to be a first line player and perhaps an NHL all-star at some point. Um, but yeah, that, those are just, in my mind, those are the tiers. And I think Will Smith is a clear pick at number five. Yeah, and that third tier, too, I, I would even uh, I, I would even throw Ryan Leonard in there as well, who's a, who's an excellent player. But um, yeah, Will, Will Smith, uh, elite playmaker, goal scorer, and, uh, and point producer. Uh, like him to, to San Jose at, at, at four. It, you know, he's a Massachusetts guy. And, and uh, you know, Mike Greer and David Quinn, San Jose, have, have big connections to, 
to uh, to Boston and, and all of that. So that would make a lot of sense. But I mean, you would love to think of the idea of, of having him and Suzuki as your one-two punch in Montreal. Plus, the Canadians love going back to the uh, the U.S. National Development Program to draft. I mean, look at the success that they've had. Guys like Cole Caulfield and how good is that Lane Hudson look as well. What a steal in, in that second round. And he he looked absolutely dynamite for, for the U.S. at the world. So, um, I think it's either Smith or Leonard. And if, uh, if Montreal is able to get Smith at five, uh, that's fantastic. Kent Hughes is going to be very happy. Okay, number six pick. You're up, Harp. All right. Who's, who's Arizona going to take? All right, it goes back to me. So um, this may be a big swing, but I, I really feel that uh, this pick would, would fill an, an organizational need. And so uh, I've got Arizona taking the first defenseman off the board. David Reinbacher goes to the Coyotes at uh, at six. Right shot defenseman. He's got size, which we know Bo Armstrong likes a lot. He likes... Uh, big defenseman and uh, he's got some skill as well and and again I just think that he fits that organizational need. Maverick Lamaru is going to, you know, obviously take a while to to come along. You've got Victor Soderstrom who's still developing Mosier uh, who has really turned into a, a nice defenseman for them already and they were able to claim Yusuf Valamaki off waivers, but other than that they don't really have much else and they don't really have a lot of depth at that position. And so I just think with with Reinbacker's size, he's been able to shoot up the rankings all year long. He's been one of those guys playing with men in Austria as well. Or, sorry, uh, in the Swiss League with, right. with the Klotten Flyers. He's from Austria. I think that Reinbacher to Arizona makes a lot of sense. What do you guys think? I think personally that this might be the first reach of the draft, in my opinion. Um, I think it's a little too early to go solely based off organizational fill here. And I think that this is too early for a defenseman in this draft as there is a boatload of highly skilled forwards available. I do like David Reinbacker as a very like what is a top two defenseman in this draft. Um, he's got a lot of size and can play physical and is pretty decent at actually moving the puck on top of being a more physical guy compared to a um, uh, Simashev, for example, mm-hmm. in this draft. Um, so if if Arizona is hell-bent on picking a defenseman, then Reinbacker is... Um, is the right choice here for them but i am kind of shocked that harper did not pick a highly skilled forward that has a massive connection with the arizona arizona coyotes in zach benson who played with geeky all year and uh showed some great chemistry as that was their uh first round pick last year um so yeah i'm gonna go ahead and uh, deem harper the first reacher of the draft <laughs> Well, I think it makes a ton of sense for Arizona, first of all, to reach and also to take a defenseman because they have done that as recent as last draft. Um, But let's not forget, Arizona also has the 12th pick, too. Exactly. And if we're talking about Zach Benson, that connection, you know, I already mentioned after that number five pick to me, at least it's completely wide open, including a guy like Ryan Leonard. I don't think there's any solidified number six. So if they're looking at it and thinking, okay, 
How different is the forward we're going to get at six versus the forward we're going to get at 12 if we can also get a defenseman? Do you know what I'm saying? If you can get both absolutely and get the best defenseman, you know, odds are Reinbacher's going to be taken before 12, right? We, we can we can kind of th- see that happening if Arizona doesn't take them. So if that's the case and they're stuck with two forwards, that's not going to be a great draft if you have two picks in the top 12. Um, I I just I think that they have a great chance at 12 at picking a defenseman to fill that that need and there's just there's multiple unbelievable forwards in this draft that I, yeah. I think they they need to go with uh, this high at six. I I do sorry Chad I, I case I do love the the connection between Benson and Geeky obviously playing for the Winnipeg Ice together and I do think that that's a real possibility and and look like what if we see a scenario where Arizona goes back to back picking at six and seven they could trade that twelfth pick up to seven and they could take Reinbacher and Benson but. At the end of the day, I do believe that with one of those picks, 6 and 12, they need to pick a defenseman with one of those picks, in my opinion. I also agree that they probably need to. It's a bit tough that this draft is very forward heavy. The defensemen that are projected to go in the first round aren't necessarily extremely appealing to a team who wants to draft a cornerstone D. Look, Reinbacher's good. Corey Promen's comparable for Reinbacher is Brett Pesci, and I couldn't agree more. He's a guy who projects to be, you know, a good top four defenseman who moves the puck well, uh, is rangy, can kind of do it all, but isn't necessarily going to do it flashy, and he's not going to put up a ton of points. He's one of those guys. It's a bit of a safe pick, and that's why we're saying it's a reach because. There are other players whose ceilings are clearly projected to be much higher than Reinbacher. But again, this draft, we are picking players for these teams based on what we think the team is going to do. And I could definitely see Arizona making the first big reach at number six and picking Reinbacher and then kind of doubling back to that connection and taking Benson at number 12. I don't think Benson makes it to 12. That's the problem. Yeah, I, and and I I'm with you, Case. Absolutely, I don't think either player makes it to twelve, in, in my opinion. Uh, but we'll see. Okay, so is it me at number seven? Yes. No. Or, no. No. Oh, it's, Har- it's Harper again. Oh, it's me. Oh, okay. it's Harper again. Right, at number right. seven. Yes. For the Philadelphia Flyers. Yes. Thank Thanks, you. Case. Forgot we were doing yeah. snake draft. <laughs> Thanks, it's Case. Not hard. All right. <laughs> So speaking of Zach Benson, I've I've got him uh, going, you know, the with the very next pick to the uh, to the Philadelphia Flyers, and again maybe Arizona gets gets six and seven. There's the big connection there that uh, with him and Connor Geeky, like you mentioned, Case, but uh, Zach Benson to Philadelphia, elite offensive talent and. Uh, doesn't cheat the game either. Plays honestly, plays hard, you know, and uh, just reading his scouting reports online, uh, you know, a, a player like Zach Benson, who's a little smaller, but he's got great work ethic and elite talent. He'd be uh, he'd be a dream for 
for John Tortorella in, in Philadelphia as they really dive into this rebuild under under the Daniel Breer regime. So if uh, if they can pick up Zach Benson again, if Arizona decides to go a different direction, and you know it's not a guarantee, but you know it would be cool to see him go there as well. I think uh, if you're Philly, how could you pass up on on a guy as talented as that? Now, I, I thought this is funny that this is the team that I thought could reach and get a defenseman too early right away. But I do also like uh, Zach Benson going to Philadelphia and that uh, they kind of will have a yin and yang situation with Cutter Gauthier, uh in the coming years and that they have the big the big guy, you know, going in the corners, playing the hard-nosed game and also putting the puck in the net. And then one of the best skaters in this draft and Zach Benson, who is just a, a kind of an offensive weapon who might get only dropping to seven because he doesn't have two inches taller and the GMs are crazy nowadays or still, I mean, in the NHL. So I do like the pick at seven because I think he's an uberly talented player. Yeah, I had Zach Benson topping my fourth tier at number six overall in terms of best players in the draft. But the reason I mentioned that I could see him falling even to 12 is because, like you mentioned, Case, his size. He's only five foot nine. It's hard to see smaller players getting picked by teams who are known for being bullies. You mentioned John Tortorella. That would be his dream to have Zach Benson. Are you kidding me, dude? He wants 18 more Cutter Gauthier's going forward. So that's why I could see, like, I don't know, one of the other U.S. development program guys going there because they're at least around six foot, like a guy like Ryan Leonard. But I don't know. I could see this pick happening. I do think he's a really good player. Like I said, I have him ranked six on my list. But if we're talking, you know, tendencies for these teams and GMs, I just don't know if I see the fit in Philly. But I mean, I guess that's why we do a mock draft because we'll see on draft day. Maybe they do come to their senses and think, okay, this guy is so talented. I know he's small, but we have to pick him. You know, Case mentioned his skating. He's a guy who loves to play on those edges. He's very creative and crafty, obviously puts up a ton of points. To me, that sounds a lot like Mitch Marner. And I know I've made two Maple Leaf uh, connections here, two Maple Leaf comparables. But to me, everything I've read about Zach Benson reminds me of Mitch Marner, but a little bit smaller. And that's going to be a good player in the NHL for sure. And I know I, I mentioned John Tortorella and, you know, liking this player. And maybe that's a bit of a stretch with the way Tortsy is. But also, he's got to listen to his general manager. And I could see Daniel Briere really liking Zach Benson quite a bit. That is true. Danny Briere at the helm now, you know, maybe he turns the Flyers in a different direction. So I, I could definitely see that. Okay, now it's back to me for yeah. number eight. We figured out how this snake draft works, <laughs> and we're just over halfway done here. Uh, number eight, the Washington Capitals. I have taking Dalbor Dvorsky. Okay, six foot one, very talented. This is a player who, you know, earlier in the season we thought could even go as high as number four or five, has been slipping on a lot of people's uh, draft boards. But you know what? He. For such a talented player, I just think it makes total sense for Washington who, you know, again, they're just very like at the very start of their rebuild 
And if they have to wait for this player, if he is a bit of a project, um, maybe they're okay with waiting a couple years because that ceiling is so high. So that's why I have taking, uh, at, or that's why I have Washington taking at number eight, Dvorsky. Case, what are your thoughts? Um, I have him as the eighth best player in the draft, and if I had Washington, I was going to take him at this pick. So this makes a ton of sense. A, a very similar in my mind to the situation with San Jose with Mitchkov being able to pick a guy that is a little bit of a project. And I think that this guy's ceiling is very high. He's a player that uh, excels on the power play and in the Ovechkin spot on the, the opposite wing as Ovechkin. So um, he's got good size just a ridiculous release and his compete is what really stood out to me as another one of those uh you know kind of pesky slovaks in the uh in the world juniors so um yeah i love this pick i think that you know myself and and so many out there would love to see Matthew Michkov go to go to Washington just with the Russian connection with OV and everything if there's anyone that could help get Michkov over to North America earlier it, it would be Ovechkin and, and the Capitals but uh, uh, Dvorsky would be a great pick at, at number eight for for the Capitals and looking at uh, some scouting reports on on uh, the Slovak forward used in all situations can battle and drive play and also Chad you mentioned you know beginning of a rebuild for for the Capitals it's more of a retool yeah I would say um, so they can take this kid and he can just marinate in the American Hockey League and and overseas for as long as they want and you know they've got a pretty good American Hockey League system in, in Hershey who's going for another Calder Cup with a lot of good young players down there while they continue to try and spend money, which they will this offseason, and continue to try and be competitive and go on another cup run. Um, taking a guy like, like Dvorsky would, would be a great pick. He's a great player, and uh, he can marinate and develop for as long as they need him to. And it makes a lot of sense, too, because Dvorsky is one of the younger players in the draft, um, period. So if you think the talent is there and the ceiling is there, but he's not quite reaching that yet because he's younger and playing against some older players, then yeah, take the pick, take the kid, and like you said, just let him marinate and start off your retool in a couple years when he's able to enter the NHL uh, on, on a great note. All right, case number nine to you, nine and ten. I'm having a hard time with this one. I was looking ahead in the draft and realizing that I have to draft for Detroit, and I am not Stevie Y. Um, there's a lot of you know uh, stereotypes going on in the Detroit Red Wings draft history, so I'm trying to not do this, but I'm going to go ahead and take Axel Sandin Pelica uh, as the uh, ninth overall pick for the Detroit Red Wings. I think that he's going to be that 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 last piece on the decor for them that's really going to fill out this team in the future. He's a pure offensive defensive uh, or offensive defenseman who just joins in on the rush and uh, basically plays Dwinger. They have Edvinson, who's the big man, and same as Moritz, who can play both 
roles really so um this is another young swedish defenseman that is going to fit in really well with that core and uh you know really really fill out the defense in the future so i like this for them and he's another guy that he's playing in the shl right now he isn't ridiculously far from being able to make the jump to the nhl so detroit's in that position similar to maybe a columbus where they want to start competing soon so they're going to need some entry-level contracts on their team maybe this is a guy for them in two years so that's why i'm going with him now kind of a more ready now player that um fills a need as well as just fits the stereotype i guess <laughs> yeah i like pelica i like the pick for stevie y and and detroit i think you're right it fills out the defense core there um in terms of nhl ready like pelica's pretty close i would say he might be number two among defensemen in terms of guys who are nhl ready i think reinbacher could potentially play in the NHL next year if a team wanted him to. More than likely, though, plays in the American League uh, or somewhere else. And with, with Sandy Pelica, you know, he's played in SHL games this season and dominated the Swedish Junior League. So I don't see any reason why you would pry him out of there. Just let him bake there for one more season, maybe two, and, you know, just dominate and then come over to North America. We've seen that Detroit is okay with waiting they waited on moritz yeah. um so I, I could see it happening again and maybe there could be a connection uh with edvinson because he's a swedish guy too right yeah so that's right yeah. sounds very swedish so that makes a ton of sense yeah <laughs> so I, yeah exactly i have them you know waiting on him for one or two years and like i said that's going to be the time when they really start competing so it's going to be great to have an entry-level contract defenseman on your team and uh a guy who can lead your power play at that point as well so um yeah i'm, I'm happy to get him here yeah case uh axel sanding pelica this is the exact player that that i had going to the detroit red wings at this number nine pick two-way defender good skater and a and a qb on the on the power play um you you'd have the three-headed monster for years to come insider edvinson and uh and the other swede and in sandine pelica and i think that detroit needs another defenseman another um top defensive prospect in their organization they don't have a ton once you get by those three guys they've got some veterans in ben sherratt and and olimata who you know are are okay jake wallman was a was a nice surprise for them last year he's in his late 20s but they kind of had to overpay him it just it, it seems like they uh they really need to go with a defenseman here and to uh shore up that that back end for the future so i like seeing Sandine Pelica to Detroit with this pick too. Uh, Case, right back to you, number 10, St. Louis Blues. Yeah, I'm going to take a guy that I just personally am pretty high on. I think he makes sense for St. Louis. There's some scouts that don't like him because of his foot speed, but I think he's he's got enough um, of other positives that you can kind of try to work on the the speed or or even live without it and this is still a great player to have at number 10 and like i said fits st louis's uh system and that's matthew wood who was the youngest player in the ncaa last year and uh just so happened to be at just under a point per game um i think he turned 18 in february so that's just impressive in itself he's got a ton of upside and uh, a great shot so 
he's a bigger player that may lack some foot size, but I think we've we've seen that before in St. Louis, and they're another team that you know they don't really need to pick the ready now player, and uh, it just makes sense for me to to have a guy to to kind of work on because they're in a retooling situation in St. Louis. So Matthew Wood is going ten overall to St. Louis. That makes sense to me. Matthew Woods, six foot four, youngest player in college hockey this year, and put up some incredible numbers. Um, one year removed from leading the BCHL in goals and points. So even though he's a big guy and has that, you know, high compete, he can also put the puck in the net and projects to be a pretty good top six forward if he hits. Now you're right, Casey. He's a bit more of a project than some of the other players on this list. Even guys in the you know United States Development Program talking about guys like Ryan Leonard, who I know you like, um, and, and Gabe Perot, and guys like that, Oliver Moore as well. But I just think that pick makes a lot of sense for St. Louis because you're right. Like They already kind of have some, some young weapons who can score why not add another one with some size and and try to figure it out and if he doesn't hit in the top six well then you've got a good middle six player who can bring something different in st louis who again is kind of going through this rebuild retool as we speak so i like the pick case it might be a bit of a reach i think there are some some other good players on the board but again we're talking team fit here and for st louis i can see it no, I, I admit yeah. that this is maybe a reach based off where I have him as a player on a, on his own. But uh, since I landed with St. Louis and a, a team that's in a retool situation, I just thought that the you know the the project makes sense here. And man, this guy had a, a pretty phenomenal um, U eighteen World Junior Championship as well, scoring seven goals and six assists, uh, playing on the top line uh, for seven games, and it, it was. Um, pretty spectacular so uh, a long project here for st louis all right i'm uh i'm fascinated by this player and uh i i've i've got a you know a really good note on uh, on this kid he you know obviously big power forward that six foot four frame that he's going to take a while to grow into plays for uconn where guess who Tage Thompson played as well. And who originally drafted Tage Thompson? The St. Louis Blues. Oh, and guess who Matthew Wood looks up to as a player and tries to model his game around? Tage Thompson. So this makes a ton of sense. Uh, Matthew Wood going to the the St. Louis Blues at, at number 10. So much sense. And also I will note as well, just as we wrap up on Matthew Wood, um, what what exactly what I was was I just going to say? Harp, that's uh, got it, got it. Now that we're wrapping up on Matthew Wood, I wanted to say this is a player who's fallen a bit uh, over the last year or so. Case you mentioned some of the scouts don't like his foot speed or lack thereof, but you know there was a reason he was projected to be a top ten pick as early as about a year ago. It's because he has a lot of the tools. And he's been able to seemingly put them together on the score sheet. Um, but there's just something there about the foot speed and, and about growing into that frame that is scaring some people away. So I think at 10, it's not that big of a reach. I have him as 15 ranked on my on my list. But uh, yeah, I like it for St. Louis a lot. I, I had him at 13. And uh, yeah, I, it makes a ton of sense for, for St. Louis just with some of the past connections there for sure. Definitely. That was cool. Yeah. 
Okay, so for number 11, there are a few really good players still on the board here. Harper, you mentioned one of them. That's who I'm going to take. Uh, uh, and I'm going to take Ryan Leonard of the United States Development Program going to the Vancouver Canucks. Vancouver, I feel like in the past has taken a bunch of uh, wingers. And, you know, I'm thinking of guys like, um, well, I guess Pedersen, I guess, is their only center. But point is, I think they need another center to add to that. So I think that's what makes sense, you know, taking a guy from the National Development Program. And I think there's two good options. Ryan Leonard is one. Gabe Perot is another. They both play on the wing on that top line with Smith, but can also both slot in down the middle. So Ryan Leonard, I think, is the better player. Just reading from Corey Promen's scouting report, bit of an average skater in hockey sense, but very much above average puck skills and shot, and also high-end compete. Very versatile player, like I already mentioned with that position, uh, flexibility there, and can play up and down the lineup and projects to be a pretty good player, whether it's in the middle six or finds a spot in the top six. So I think Vancouver needs more of those players who you know don't just give you that that Russian flash of Pod Colson. Um, and, and I think you need to add to that team because that's another team, again, who we don't really know exactly what they're doing, but they're in a period of, of flux, I would say. So I, I think Ryan Leonard to Vancouver could make some sense. Case? Yeah, I had him as the actually the seventh ranked player on my draft board here, but uh, kind of let him slip based off you know what teams i was drafting with this guy you watch his kind of his highlight pack and he just seems to be in the right place at the right time all the time and that's how you score at the pro level and um you also do it with a great release and great hands and that's what he possesses so uh i think they'd be pretty uh pretty damn happy to get him late in this late in the draft yeah yeah i I don't personally i don't see ryan leonard falling uh this this far to to number 11 but i mean it uh you know certainly uh still a a high pick in in the first round and um vancouver i think would be absolutely thrilled to to get a player like ryan leonard projected as a top line nhl forward used in all situations and uh character apparently is a really big thing with with this guy i I heard uh on on a in a couple of interviews from multiple people who were at the uh the nhl combine that uh he crushed his pre-draft interviews um and so you know character is a big thing we know that it's a big thing with vancouver's head coach rick tockett i think that leonard is one of those guys who we could see in the nhl in a couple of years you know i I don't think it'll take them long to make that jump and we know that vancouver wants to stay competitive or wants to be competitive again and be a playoff team as soon as next season. So Leonard would be a great pick for the Vancouver Canucks at 11. Okay, so on to you for number 12. All right, so I guess, would it be me for 12 and 13? That's right. Okay, perfect. How, that worked out pretty nicely then yeah, for 13. Yeah, sure did. 
Although I, I do have to pivot on that one, but I'll, I'll get to that in a second. So back to the Arizona Coyotes for uh, for 12. So I get both Arizona picks. How funny is that? <laughs> but uh, but anyway, with uh, with the 12th pick, and this may be a, a bit of a reach, but again, I, I really like the fit for the Coyotes and just what Bill Armstrong likes as a GM. But I've got the Russian winger, Daniil Butte. Going twelfth uh, overall to, to Arizona, he's got top six forward potential. Again, like we were talking about with Matthew Wood, um, he he's got time to grow into that big frame, and he's a little bit taller at, at six foot five. But uh, he's got a great work ethic, uh, very versatile forward, and again has that top six forward potential. And I'll say it again, boys, we know that Bill Armstrong loves size in his lineup, both with his forwards and on defense. So maybe a bit of a reach, maybe a little high for a a guy like Daniil Butte, but uh, man, oh man, Bill Armstrong just puts so much value on size in players. And I think that he'd be a great fit in Arizona and, and a guy that would be a project, but could end up being a good player for them. Yeah, I mean, I, I have him as my 25th ranked player in the draft, so it might be a reach based off um, skill level, but if he does have the frame, he, he fits the, the mentality of Arizona's uh, scouting and drafting in the past, so uh, I wouldn't be terribly surprised if they, they went ahead and picked him. And um, if, if they go against Harper's words and, and pick Zach Benson in the at the... Um, six spot there then that would be a nice little one-two punch with him and butte because you got the size and you got the the small skilled guy yeah i think if they don't pick a defenseman at six though they would probably be looking for one at 12 but it just depends on who's on the board because at 12 if you're not picking you know like if simashev is gone who might go second or third among defensemen then it's kind of up in the air like tom wallander maybe but anyways number 12 butte i think that's a decent pick and i could see arizona making that pick they love guys with size like you've mentioned yeah um and and this isn't just some some random power forward like this guy has put up some pretty good numbers over in russia in the mhl and has played some games in the khl as well so i've heard some scouts say that or, or I've read that some scouts have said that he's one of the, actually the more talented players in the draft, but teams have been, you know, kind of like scouts have heard through the grapevine that teams have been a little bit scared that he's a Russian player and they're not exactly sure when they're going to get him. So that's always going to be a concern, I guess, going forward with Russian players. So that's something to consider as well. Maybe he drops further than that, or maybe Arizona says, look, like we can wait on this guy. It doesn't matter if we get him in three years. If he's the player we want, he's the player we're going to take. So, On my board, I have him, like I said, at 25, but if there's any player that's going to shoot up in the draft and be picked you know, earlier than expected as maybe a reach, it's going to be this guy because of his size and the way he plays the game. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he went, you know, way earlier than, than where I projected and, and maybe as early as 12 or 13. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Uh, so 13 for, for Buffalo. So I, I got to say, I and, you know, you guys will laugh at this, but I originally had them 
uh, taking Matthew Wood in in the spot, who who we just talked about there a few minutes ago. But uh, I'll go with um, uh, someone who would fill an organizational need for them, and uh, and that's on defense. So I've got uh, Tom uh, Willander going to the Sabers at uh, at thirteen. Then so a little pivot there. I mean another Swedish defenseman. Worked out pretty well for them when they selected Rasmus Dahlin first overall in, in 2018. You look at Willander, elite skater, two-way defender. I mean, how cool would it be to, to see him and, and Owen Power playing together? And then you have Samuelson and, and Dahlin a little bit down the road. So um, I, I think that... Uh, he could be the, the third defenseman to, to go in this draft. Potentially, it might be Simashev out of Russia. He's definitely got the size advantage at, at six foot four. Right, but um, he has the Russian factor too, which yes. you have to consider. Yes, exactly. And Willander is talented, and he's a name that you kind of see all over the place mm-hmm. in, in this draft. He could either go really high and, and surprise some people, or he could be really low in the first round. But uh, I could see Willander being a fit for the Sabres and give them some depth on the blue line, which they could use. Definitely. I personally, I, I like the pick here um, for Buffalo as an organizational fill. Um, I have him as the fourth it's complicated i have him as the fourth best defenseman in the draft but i have him going third in the draft because uh is one of those guys who will drop and be picked up late in the first round pick it's i think that he's got poor offensive skills uh the size is intriguing and the way he plays as a defensive defenseman is intriguing but i don't think he's going to get picked in the first half of this draft so i think that you know, Willander is the second best offensive defenseman after uh, the other Swedish defenseman, Pelika. So this one makes sense. And he's actually got better size than Pelika. So it kind of, you know, really fills that need for, for Buffalo. I like it. Yeah, I do like the player. And previously when I said, you know, it's kind of wide open among defensemen, it wasn't a knock on Wallander, I think he is a good defenseman, projects to be, that is, uh, moves the puck pretty well. And also, too, interesting enough, is going to BU next year, is committed to play at BU. So some GMs like having a guy who is quote-unquote controlled, or at least in North America. So that's something something to think about as well, and I could definitely see that happening in Buffalo. And, and speaking of Swedish defensemen, you know, whichever one they get, Wallander or Sandy Pelika, um, or any other Swedish player for that matter, who better to learn from on the back end as a Swedish defenseman than Rasmus Sandin? So, Dalin, rather. Sorry, Sandin. Yep. Sandin Pelika is in my head, but Dalin, yeah. who better to learn from? So that makes yeah, a ton exactly. of sense for yeah. me, for sure. Um, Okay, so number 14, back to me. The Pittsburgh Penguins. Pittsburgh Penguins at number 14. And this is why I've been looking down at my phone, half paying attention, sorry, Harp, for the last like five minutes. Because I was looking up who's picking at 14. I've got that. And uh, I'll say this. If Pittsburgh still has this pick at the draft, I will be absolutely shocked. Because Kyle Dubas and company are... 
trying to retool this team as quickly as possible so they can win another cup with this core. So if they still have this this pick, number 14, by the time draft day rolls around, I will be absolutely shocked. But if they do, I could see Kyle Dubas going off the board if he were allowed to participate. So humor me for a sec. He cannot participate in the draft, Kyle Dubas, that is. Um, That's not to say that he won't be communicating with his drafting staff, but for a lot of reasons that the NHL has laid out as a rule, he cannot participate in the draft. If Kyle Dubas was participating in the draft, I I would have him taking Jaden Perron. Jaden Perron is a player who played in the USHL this year, and it would be a bit of a reach, by the way, to take Jaden Perron because he's an undersized player and there are some other good players available at this pick. But in 61 games, he had 72 points in the USHL, and he played for the Chicago Steel, which Kyle Dubas loves. He loves his players from the Chicago Steel, so I think it would make a ton of sense. Um, However, like I mentioned, he cannot draft for the Penguins this year. Plus, I don't think they'll even have the pick. So, unfortunately, I don't think Jaden Perron will be going to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Instead, there are a bunch of names here. And I wasn't exactly sure who to pick for Pittsburgh for this reason. I wasn't either. Because I don't... I mean, like I've mentioned, I don't think they'll have the pick. And also, if they do make the pick, like they kind of have to start from scratch, right? Like They don't really have any guys coming. They kind of need in all areas. Um, So yeah, all of that being said, I think I might just take one of the next best players off the board, and that would be Brandon Yeager. Um, It's likely that Yeager moves to the wing in the NHL. He's currently playing in the WHL as a centerman, but because of the size thing, because he's under six feet tall, and because of the, uh, the average, I would say, skating, it's likely he moves to the wing in the NHL. But in the WHL this year, he's been a pretty good player. Above average compete, says Corey Promman. He has that high-end shot, and he plays really hard. Goes to the net, not afraid. Been compared to a guy like Travis Konechny. And I think if you're building your team from scratch, like you know, if Pittsburgh decides to make this pick, they kind of will be, then I think he could be a good player to fit. Um, high ceiling, has scored a ton. Plus, he brings a bit of that edge, too. So I, I think Jaeger would make sense for the Pens. Thoughts. Yeah, Chad going way off the board, pick, picking Brandon Jaeger, Braden Jaeger's brother. Oh, my God. actually not available in this Stop. draft. It's actually just an unprecedented move here uh, by the Pittsburgh Penguins. And, wow, they wish Kyle Dubas maybe had some say in this because ah. that was dumb. Um, Sorry. Sorry, But case. if they were to pick Braden Jaeger... That would be a great pick to have uh, uh, this late in the draft. There's no way that this guy should fall this late, but it's just been the the story of the NHL draft, and um, they hate undersized forwards, although he's one of the bigger undersized forwards, whatever that means. But uh, a very strong two-way game and high compete, so it's a can't-miss player in my mind. Harp, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really have a, a ton more on on Braden Yeager he uh he definitely um he he really could go anywhere in, in this first round I, I think all the talent in the world is there and you know it, it's it's a shame that uh that there will be a lot of general managers that will look at his size and and kind of 
turn a, a blind eye to a player like that. You know, I look at all the teams that that uh, that turned down um, Lane Hudson in, in the draft last year, albeit a defenseman, but still a, a smaller player. But Jaeger's got all the tools, uh, has, has played unbelievably well for Moose Jaw in the Western Hockey League, and... Uh, yeah, it, it, it'd be a great pick for Pittsburgh, and I agree, I'd be shocked if they have two first-rounders two years in a row because they picked uh, Owen Pickering with their first-rounder last year, which was in the 20s. So, uh, But looking at Pittsburgh, they could use another first-rounder and try to build up that prospect pool a little bit. So that's going to be one of many tasks for Kyle Dubas, for sure. Well, I personally am feeling really lucky that I've got the player I wanted right from the start. When you guys told me when I was picking, I looked down, I saw I was picking for Nashville as the last pick in our little mock draft here, and I put Nashville beside the name of Gabriel Perot. I thought this is a perfect fit. I was not thinking he would slip this far in the draft to 15. Um, I actually had him as the 13th best player in the draft, Um, but I thought he could even have gone higher because I've seen him all over this board. Uh, But 132 points. That is what he had on the national development team this year, which puts him up in the same category as Matthews, Jack Hughes, and Clayton Keller as the highest scoring players to ever play on that team. This guy is an offensive weapon, and uh, Nashville is going to love pairing him up with Kemmel in the future, who they picked a, they picked in the first round with one of the biggest steals in the draft last year, as we uh, talked about many times after after that draft. So they're they got the sniper and Kemmel, and now they've got the playmaker and kind of all around offensive weapon in Perot. So this is going to be a great pick for Nashville. Yeah, like we mentioned earlier, Perot plays on that top line for the United States Development Program and uh, smashing records. He broke Austin Matthews' single-season point record uh, this year, so that's pretty crazy in and of itself. But Perot makes a lot of sense in Nashville. They're another team who, you know, they need to kind of just restart. They have a few guys coming. They've been doing it for the past couple of years. Kemmel, like you mentioned, Case is one. But uh, they kind of just need that high-end talent, and they need to see who hits. Ryan, or uh, forgive me, Gabe Perot is a guy who I think definitely will hit. So that makes a ton of sense to me. Yeah, definitely. And uh, th- this is a big draft for Nashville. There, there's no question about it. They've got quite a few picks in this draft, I believe. And uh, it's it's the uh, the first draft for... Barry Trotz right. as the as the new general manager of the Predators, and uh, we all saw the quote on on social media that he wants his scouts to take some big swings. And I don't really know if this is a big swing because of all the records that you know Gabe Perot has has smashed uh, with with the uh, the U.S. Um, uh, development program and uh, just the elite offensive talent that he is and Nashville could really use a player like this and and add to that young pool of players they've got coming in because I, I do think that Nashville has done a good job. They've got guys like Tomasino and Evangelista that are coming along nicely. Kemmel is going to be there before we know it. So adding a guy like Gabriel Perot 
you know, in the middle of the first round, I, I, I think would be fantastic for the Predators. Yeah, they've just been lacking scoring in the last, you know, 10 years. We've harped on this so much. Yeah. And so, so you know, take your swing at a guy who can score a lot of points and finally fill that need for you guys. Uh, talk about hockey family with this guy as well. Yannick Perot, who uh, played for Toronto, well, played many seasons in the NHL, Toronto, uh, Montreal, and one season with the Nashville Predators. So there's your connection, Harper Cody. And uh, Jacob Perot, who's currently in the Anaheim Ducks system, is his brother. So right. um, an NHL family, uh, a guy in the National Development Program who's breaking records, uh, number 15th, or the 15th pick. That's, I think, you don't have to take a, a huge swing if you're Nashville if this guy's available. Yeah, and there are a lot of good players still available at that number 15 spot. Um, this pick makes sense, but there are definitely some other scorers available. And then Nashville also has the number 24 pick as well, which I think it would make sense if I'm Nashville. You take your scorer at 15, and then you maybe try to get a defenseman at 24, and you kind of round out uh you know your, your draft with those two guys at least start off on the right foot there and i guess it depends who's available on d at 24 if simashev's there take him uh maybe bonk if he's there so it, yeah it kind of all just depends but what i wanted to mention as well as we've you know now finished our our top 15 mock draft is that there are some damn good players left on the board so i just wanted to read a few that we didn't pick Case just picked Gabe Perot, so he's off. But another guy from the U.S. Development Program is Oliver Moore. Did not get picked in our top 15. Nate Danielson did not get picked in our top 15. Um, those are two pretty good players. Dmitry Simashev, defenseman out of Russia in the KHL and the MHL, did not get picked. Um, and then Colby Barlow is a player who's been rising over the last couple months. Did not get picked. Samuel Honzik, Andrew Crystal, and the list goes on. Those are a few players who definitely could go top 15. At least that's who I'm guessing could go in the top 15. Maybe there are a few other sleeper names out there who could. But those players did not get picked in our top 15. And uh, there's still some pretty good names left. Yeah. Two guys that I'm just going to say as a, a keep an eye on. Um one of them you've heard me talk about a lot already, and that's Edard Chalet. Um, I still think that this could be a great player and an off-the-board pick. Talk about it making a swing. Maybe Nashville goes for this guy. Um, he's just kind of a, a sneaky, like high IQ, excellent passing player who's got a decent frame that you can fill out in the weight room. And I, I think that, you know, he's going to catch some people off guard. Another one that has been rising on a lot of people's draft boards is Mikhail uh, Gileyev, who is an offensive defenseman who's um, just an excellent skater, uh, maybe lacks some size on, on the back end, but he's been putting up some crazy numbers in the MHL lately. And he's even been able to play uh, 13 games in the KHL and 12 games in the VHL as a, a young undersized defenseman in the KHL, not something you, you see very often. Yeah. Doing a bit of research for this episode, it just made me realize how kind of ruthless they are in Russia when it comes to 
just kind of bouncing players around. Like so many guys have games played in one season in the KHL, the VHL, and the MHL. It's kind of ridiculous. But yeah, some good players left for sure. Yeah, definitely. Two guys that I'm kind of interested in that will we'll see late in, in the first round. Um, Quentin Musty of the Sudbury Wolves, a, uh, a big forward from Hamburg, New York. And, you know, maybe he's a guy that, that, uh, that could end up with the Sabres uh, has got a connection to them. And then Charlie Strammel, who we've talked about before as well. We saw him a, a little bit playing in a limited role as a, as a 17 year old with the U S world junior team uh, in the new year. Um, I, I really wonder where he gets selected as well, because he's, he's a big body at six foot three and, and uh, they both are. And I just wonder where, where they land later on in the I- first round. I'm going to be watching for him as well because I thought he was a pretty high-ranked prospect. And, and, and doing my research, I see that Pronman has him at 23, Wheeler has him at 37, Dauber has him at 50, and he's unranked by elite prospects. Yeah, so it's, yeah, that's pretty crazy how far he's he's dropped off on the the board. Um, he's in a a very late first-round pick for me. I had him at 27, so it's going to be interesting. 27, is that when the Leafs pick case? When exactly? Uh, yeah. <laughs> when exactly yeah, no, did the Leafs that's, pick? Uh, Colorado. <laughs> 28, I think, maybe Toronto's pick is. But yes. I, I could see him in blue and white. He would make a lot of sense. Another U.S. guy to play with uh, Austin, maybe convince him to stay. But And plus, I, I have talked about him in, in the past. I do like that player a lot. And as a late first, I, I think that can make a ton of sense. Definitely. It's a, it's a deep draft. There's no question about it. And uh, the first round starts a week from Wednesday. So this episode is, is out on Wednesday and, uh, and the draft is, uh, is, is next week. Uh, Wednesday, June 28th, starting at 7 o'clock. Uh, we'll see Connor Bedard get drafted number one to the Chicago Blackhawks and, uh, and so on and so forth. It's going to be a lot of fun as we are officially in the offseason. Uh, so thanks for being with us uh, for this episode as we did it a little bit differently for our, uh, our draft preview show that we do every year. That was a lot of fun. Uh, looking forward to the Boys in the Booth Ball Hockey Classic this weekend. Again, for more information on that, you can go to boysinthebooth.com and we will chat with you again soon. Take care. This has been another episode of Boys in the Booth with Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. Connect with the Boys in the Booth on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Boys in the Booth. Visit boysinthebooth.com for show details. And don't forget, you can become a patron of the podcast for just $1 a month at patreon.com slash boysinthebooth.